Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. We're we're all here again. Um, I'm I'm Chris. I'm back. That's Stu. He's also back. Hello. And Tom was never gone, but he's also here. Still here. Tom's also here. <laughs> Let's try not to have two of us go on holiday at the same time anytime soon. Hey, I'm I'm. Well, that sounds good. fun, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Callum wouldn't mind. To be fair, he was he was more excited to be here than I was to have him join me. And yes, that's actually good something. news. We all say thanks again, <laughs> Callum, for stepping in last week. Um, I, I really enjoyed listening to that on my uh, on my trip home from holiday. But anyway, you're not here to hear, listen to our holiday tales. Um, you're here to hear us talk about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which was. All right, I thought there was definitely a big old lull in the middle of it. Um, yeah, it was a it was a lull episode, wasn't it? It was sort of crying out for another safety car, I think, towards the end. Um, yeah, it was only I really everyone. Another safety car would have spiced things up really nicely. It was sort of everyone outside of the points went a bit insane towards the end, and that was the only kind of thing that perked it up a bit. I guess we did have the the late fight for last place in the points as well, but um, we'll get there. Um, but let's start at the sharp end with Red Bull. Um, and not all plain sailing, some gremlins. Um, Verstappen had a drive shaft failure in Q2, which left him down in 15th, um, which gave Perez an open goal to claim his second career pole position at the track. He got his first career pole position. Um, he obviously lost the lead right at the start, retook it the moment he had DRS, and basically never looked back, did he? He was pretty unbeatable Perez Mm -hmm. well the Red Bull is pretty unbeatable isn't it yeah like it's I think you put any driver on the grid in that car and they're gonna win it was ominous this race like yeah I think there's something to be said for Perez's performance though of being able to maintain the gap back to Verstappen once it came to oh yeah like yes I agree that given the right circumstances, pretty much any driver could win a race in that Red Bull. But to be able to maintain a gap to a driver of the calibre of Max is is a very good performance from Perez in that regard, at least. Yeah, I mean, Verstappen did say after the race, like obviously Verstappen had some worrying vibrations towards the end and backed off, but he did say he didn't think he'd be able to catch Perez regardless. Um, Because obviously he... Ended up fourth at the safety car restart, but was second in no time at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like the pace was so ominous. Like the Red Bulls just lapped their way down into the 132s and then into the 131s, and everyone else was doing 133s at best. Um, After the safety car, Perez put 22 seconds on Alonso in 25 laps over what he's currently the second best car it's like it's just unreal that car they've built this year absolutely unreal yeah 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 they were well over well well at least a couple of attempts over a second a lap quicker yeah. in that final sector they were pushing to the end both of them but i mean verstappen verstappen's quickest lap was like sat on the final lap and it was yeah. ridiculously fast yeah. ridiculously fast. <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> insane how quick yeah, and and Alonso, to be fair, Alonso's fastest lap was only three tenths slower than Verstappen's, but I think the Red Bull is just capable of sustaining much higher speeds for much longer, yeah. Um, yeah. and preserving its tires much longer, and just being an all-round better car than anything else on the grid. Well, I was going to say back to Perez, like this was a 
a race of tire management on a street circuit. I can't think of a more Perez race <laughs> than that. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of that fastest lap, though, dare I say some cracks already forming in that driver pairing? Um, like, Max was told to back off multiple times. He was asking for what the fastest lap is, and the team were basically saying, no, we're not going to tell you. Like, bring it home. Um, and obviously, then he just went ahead and did it anyway in the last lap. Perez was not best pleased about that. Um, I'm going to do it anyway. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, Perez, basically, as far as he was concerned, it was like, we're cruising home now. And next thing, he lost his chance to... Well, he would have led the championship, wouldn't he, if not for that one point. Yeah, if he'd have had, yeah. if he'd have been the one with the fastest lap, it'd have been. So yeah, really Perez good. said he wanted some talks about communication within the team and stuff. And I mean, I've, I've don't think I've ever seen a driver so unhappy to finish second in a race. Like, Verstappen <laughs> just looked miserable from the moment that drive shaft went in qualifying. Um, I mean, he he did say yeah, in the interviews, you- "I'm not here to finish second, which I guess is yeah. the champion's mentality. But yeah, I I do get that, like, and Verstappen's just like that isn't he like he's going to be disappointed with anything other than a win especially yeah. I, I think he would have felt he definitely felt after qualifying when he retired from qualifying that he could go on still to win the race I think he felt like he had the car to do it mm-hmm. um yeah like there was it to me at, at times it felt like they were maybe trying to slow Perez down a little bit for Verstappen to catch up with some of the communication it sounded like which mm. maybe is where some of that commentary comes from from Perez, like maybe he's thinking, he obviously doesn't trust the team. <laughs> like clearly, clearly there's no trust for the team because he knows full well that he's number two driver. The, Even if he gets ahead in the championship, he's number two driver. The thing with that though is they were telling them both the same thing pretty much. It's just that Perez was abiding to it for the most part and Max wasn't. Yeah. Like they were both being told to maintain a particular lap time and then literally the next lap they were, well, Max was about, four tenths quicker the next lap and then when Perez realised the gap was coming down he started doing it was like they were told to aim for 132 sixes and Max started doing 132 twos so then Perez started matching him to maintain the gap basically and he he was saying like you know you're telling me to bring it home safely but he's pushing behind me and I'm not gonna cruise while he's pushing it Nearly half a, exactly. half a second faster than me. Like. And why should he? He's in the lead of the yeah, race. Exactly. Why should yeah. he cruise? Like he, he should just go at the pace that suits him because he's leading the race. Like it's not up for him. It's not for him to slow down so that Verstappen can catch up. And yeah. if he, like again with that with that kind of communication, like of course you're not. It just makes no sense to slow down. And he he knows that whatever message Verstappen gets. Verstappen's going to push yeah, and try exactly. and catch up and win the race yeah. anyway. So why, you know, it's it's all for nothing. Like, he, he's not an idiot. He knows what's going on and he knows he needs to push him and he needs to win the race. And he yeah. went ahead and did it. So fair play to him. Dare, dare I say a little short-sighted of Max as well. Like, when they had the gap they had after the weekend he'd had up to that point and he's feeling vibrations in the car again, maybe mm. just settle for the 18 points and bring it home. Like, what if he pushed for that fastest lap of the drive shaft went on the last lap? Like, then you're going home with nothing. It feels a bit... like yeah. Ultimately, it's already looking like this season, if we're going to get a championship fight, it's going to be the two of them. So... Well, that's that's exactly why, though, isn't it? I that's, guess. You know, but... That's what he's thinking. He's thinking, I need to dominate my teammate. I need to get this... If I get this fastest lap, I'll go ahead in the championship. So, therefore... 
I'll have priority for everything, for any updates, for all, as long as I'm ahead, I've mm. all, I'm always warranted in my defense yeah. of being number one driver. So even from this early stage in the season, Verstappen's thinking about the championship. He's thinking about his one rival and he's doing everything he can to beat him. In the same way he did against Hamilton. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some of the, if, if it becomes a tight battle between these two through the season, I would not be surprised to see it get just as hairy between Perez yeah. and Verstappen as it did between Perez and Hamilton. Well, I think if Perez if Perez can properly put a fight up this year, we're looking at another like Hamilton Rosberg situation, aren't we? Which Yeah. I'd love to see. So. Like I'd really love to see Perez be able to put up that level of fight. And I mean, for the two races so far, Perez is looking up for it. Like he was so Yeah, quick I think he's been weekend. a little bit gifted this one, I think, given where Verstappen started. I think if it had been on, if they'd been nearer to each other on track from the start, um, I think it would have been a bit easier for Perez, for Verstappen. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What what it what this season really desperately needs is for Perez to step up and be mm. be a real rival for for this championship. Um, hopefully, Red Bull give him the tools he needs to be competitive um, and give us all a. You know, give us obviously we all know Verstappen is Red Bull's golden boy, but so the odds are already stacked against Perez, I think. But if he can overcome those odds and be the faster driver, then we'll be, or, or at least equal the mm-hmm. equal driver, then we'll be in for a treat for the for the whole season. That's that's what that's really the only thing that's going to get us through this season. <laughs> yeah, that that period when Verstappen was full beans trying to chase Perez down gives me hope because he. He was struggling to bring the gap down. Like he maybe would grab like yeah. a tenth a lap here and there, but it it, it gives me a, a small amount of hope that we'll get a proper championship fight. Um, but realistically, the excitement's going to be behind the top two. I think this season. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we we should maybe like rework this podcast so Red Bull are just never mentioned throughout the whole season, <laughs> and we just focus on. We the could just have like between everyone else a little thirty second Red, Red Bull corner at the end. <clears throat> yeah and Red Bull won another race and pretend it's an 18 car <laughs> championship yeah right moving on to one of the other 18 cars Aston Martin um, so we had a Alonso got a brief cameo in the lead of a race for a few laps which was fun didn't last but it was fun to see uh, but he was Very good to see I mean he was basically settled happily into second place until Verstappen came along and then it was a foregone conclusion however Alonso, as Ocon did last race, picked up a five-second penalty for being wrongly positioned in his pit box. <sighs> like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's weird. I, I understand it. It's ultimately there are some lines your car has to be in, and if you put your car outside of those lines, then you're in the wrong place. Like, I get that that yeah. should be a thing that's penalised, but why have they suddenly decided yeah. this season it's why a is thing they're going to pay attention to? It seems really strange. I, I don't yeah, get I where think, it's come from. And also where he positioned his car just could not have possibly put him at an advantage. Yeah. If anything, it was making mm. the track ever so slightly longer because yeah. he's got to go off to the outside, to outside of turn one to, to get in position. So I think it's... Um, it's really weird. It is really, really strange for the FIA to be 
sort of or the stewards to be just hyper focused on these minute details when there's mm. other things that they get much more drastically wrong all the time that they really need to be giving more attention <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. So, you mean like I don't calling know safety like... cars when they don't need safety cars <laughs> and not calling safety cars when they do. Yeah, well we'll, well I'm sure we'll get to that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's silly. I think the whole thing's re- re- that uh, just that incident on its own is absolutely outrageous. I, I just don't think there was any need for a penalty there. Common sense, just use common sense. It just... I mean, I I think as well the the fact that I've seen just about every driver asked about it side in Alonso's favour on the matter, mm. and that includes. George Russell, yeah. who basically briefly yeah. inherited the podium position off him. Literally, in the post-race press conference that the top three drivers do, at that point, Russell replaced Alonso, and he even he, in that interview, said, it's it seems silly, like something needs to be done. And it, 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 he was basically saying exactly the same thing as what we think as fans, which is, yes, we understand that a rule is a rule, you should be inside that grid box, but the visibility with the where the cars are now and the newer, bigger wheels, it's much harder to to see where you are to line that up. They've said the yellow line is fine to stop us creeping too far forward, but you can't always get like exactly in the box yeah, because of the angle center, that you yeah. sat at. Um so like I I think the GPDA are gonna I think put something together from the sounds of it that basically says like if you want us to you know, be able to achieve this sensibly every, with perfection every single race, something needs to change slightly. Yeah. It, it, it totally, this, this kind of thing really bugs me because this is people who have absolutely no idea what it's like to sit in that car on yeah. that starting grid, setting and enforcing this rule with like a really bloody hand. And, you know, I'm sure if you sat one of them in, in one of the cars on the grid and gave them like an idea of how difficult it was it is to see where you, where exactly your car is positioned on the grid or even give them a chance to try and pull up to the grid in the first place yeah. I doubt many of them <laughs> will do it um you know they'd soon change their minds on on how strictly they I, agree. I, mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous people have a hard enough time getting their bloody fiesta in a parking spot straight at tesco like and you can yeah. see out of those things like i know these are supposed to be the best drivers in the world but like they're working with basically zero visibility and again like yeah. as you say tom if they've gone too far forward fair enough it's a penalty and if they're the right distance but they're like at 45 degrees pointing at the car in pole position yeah you're trying to gain an advantage there but to just be as you say Stu. So far out of your box, the wrong way you're actually putting yourself at a slight disadvantage. Almost, it's it's ridiculous. And it's mil- this is millimeters as well. This is not. It's not even like what Vettel used to do when he'd literally be pointing at yeah. the car next to him. They used to get away with like, all the time. Yeah, like you know, between five and ten degrees in angle, like pointed at the next. And they, they you know, it's not just Vettel. Like Rosberg, Hamilton, like yeah, over they all the years, used to do you've it. seen all of them. Master. So many and people. It's never ever been an issue. And if anything, it makes it exciting because it's like, oh, what's going to happen? And they're just, they're slowly, slowly chipping away at these interesting things about the sport by just over-regulating. And, and it's really boring. And it's even worse as well when you get the start of the race we did. And it was like, those opening laps were like, wow, this is exciting. We could have a really cool race there. And straight yeah. away, it's like, oh, oh, you're enjoying this, are you? Here's a penalty for Alonso. Yeah. But the fun's over. Mm. Back in your box. Like, it's just a bit tone deaf, isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, it just lacks. It's a complete lack of common sense, is what it is. Yeah. Mm. The the Ocon vibes continued as um, <laughs> well. <laughs> so Alonso came in to serve the penalty at his first pit stop, which he did under the safety car, which I was convinced you weren't allowed to do, but. I guess I was wrong on that. In F2, you're not allowed to do it, I think. Okay, maybe. Maybe it's um, short races there or something. F1, I think you are. Then 30-odd laps went by, and suddenly in the closing laps, we had these rumblings of, oh, Alonso might be getting another five-second penalty. So he put his foot down and just about pulled the gap to Russell to stay ahead by five seconds. Okay, go on. So <clears throat> during this pit stop, I did straight. I did spot the uh, the rear jackman put his jack up against the car and then very quickly sort of like shuffle it away, or yeah. shuffle it down a little bit so it wouldn't be in contact. So it was like in like the bracket, but it, it and it clearly did make contact with the car. But again, well, I'll let you. I'll let you continue. Yeah. So the the, the issue that was that I just said the FIA spotted that the rear jack had touched the car. But this didn't come up for the entirety of the race. Suddenly you get these rumblings of a five-second penalty in the closing laps. Then we had the podium, and literally moments later, uh, it was announced that he was given a 10-second penalty for not serving it correctly, uh, which demoted him to fourth place. The the statement that gave him the 10 seconds referenced a previous agreement between the FIA and the teams that touching the car in any way, including with a jack, constituted working on the car and would, would mean that you weren't serving the penalty. Aston Martin obviously appealed this. And from the appeal, it came to light that this agreement that the FIA quoted actually never happened. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's no, there's, there was no such agreement ever made. Yeah. It's a fabrication, complete fabrication. And in fact, Aston Martin provided them with multiple cases of other teams doing exactly the same thing in when giving penalties. The rear jack briefly made contact with the car. And yeah, so in the end, he got overturned. Alonso got his 100th career podium back. Um, the FIA... Oh, so they, wait, so they can overturn a race result after they've made Weird that, isn't it? <laughs> Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, but they'd already. I thought they couldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, they did, they've done it. They've done it twice. They've they've, they've overturned yeah. it and demoted him, and then re re overturned yeah. or un over. What's the opposite of overturning it? They put it back. Un- <laughs> underturned. Underturned it. <laughs> so they've overturned it, then underturned it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, Twitter today has just been replete with all the usual stuff when the FIA make a cock up of this magnitude and i think you can't blame people for getting upset about it because it's it just flies in the face of so many things that they've said in the past they're just they're thick aren't they it's ridiculous i don't know what's worse the fact that they gave a penalty based on incorrect evidence then overturned it or the fact that they literally had 30 odd laps of racing to figure this out and just didn't yeah and let the podium happen and incompetence then, of the highest it order. Really it really is. The FAA have said yeah. that that rule is going to be reviewed this week to avoid this happening in the future. Oh, let's, let's do a review. Yeah, let's do reword review, it slightly and probably insert a new loophole in the process. If you got it's, it right in the first place, you'd have to review, would they? It's like another situation, though, where you wonder how long Farmer going to put with FIA making mm-hmm. their sport look stupid like this. 
Yeah, because it, it reflects on everyone. It reflects on yeah. all the teams and the yeah. entire sport and all the fans like, and everyone watching it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like people who, I guess, like are more seasoned viewers and sort of know the, the line between the FIA and F1 itself, know that the FIA are to blame. But this is just so bad for those, like, I guess, more casual or less regular viewers. Like, they're watching a race where a guy finishes third, does a podium celebration, but then as it's happening, they're being told that he's not third. Then they go on Twitter today and find out he's third again. Yeah. Like, how crap of an experience is that for somebody? Well, for anyone, let alone yeah. someone who doesn't, yeah. like, completely understand the ins and outs of it yet. But for all of us, that's crap. I think it's indefensible. I think, like, as a fan as well, like, when you when think of, like, when you're down the pub talking to your to your mates about 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 sport and and you're a for, you're the only formula 1 fan among like your friends you're trying to convince your friends to be into <laughs> formula 1 how the hell are you supposed to convince anyone to like formula 1 when formula 1 can't figure out who's won or lot who's who's on its own podium yeah, at the end they of the can't, race like, <laughs> they can't even apply the penalties for breaking the rules properly let alone apply the rules themselves in the first place like <laughs> yeah it's just, but, I mean, they're not doing themselves any, not, they don't do the sport any favours and they just, no. it just drives that wedge further and further and further between the FIA and between it Formula really 1. It really does. And yeah, I'd, you know. Frustrating. Something's got to give. Yeah, it really does. It's so frustrating. But yeah. we'll move on because we could complain about that for an entire... <laughs> yeah. And also, you know what's happened as well? This has turned into an episode where we rant about the FIA yet again. I know, yet and another I don't. boring episode well, where we talk about the boring FIA. Let's have one more thing to it. rant about and then we'll move on. Uh, Lance Stroll <laughs> was going <laughs> oh, pretty well in fourth place. Actually, what I still haven't seen Stroll's Q3 lap because he did two purple sectors and looked like he was going to nick pole out of nowhere and then just had like the slowest... Sector three he'd had all day. I don't know what happened to him there, but mm. he was looking properly. Again, a guy who's still recovering from his hand injuries. He was looking properly quick. Uh, but yeah, he was. He made a really good move on signs on the opening lap, was running fourth, but he had to stop the car on lap 18 with a, an engine issue. That's all I've said so far. He couldn't... There was smoke coming out of the back of it, so there's something... Yeah, it's something, something it, yeah. seemed to go pop. Not great for uh, Mercedes... But no. <laughs> he could not have found a better place to park that car. He did a mm-hmm. resplendent job of getting his car out of the way. Oh, strong word. Thank Chris. you very much. Strong, <laughs> very good word. Instant safety car. And it was so baffling. Yeah. And the basically the excuse was the stewards didn't have the footage to see where he had parked the car. So yeah, we all did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we so all just did. dropped a safety car on the track to be safe. And like I can I can get behind the logic of if you're not certain, play it safe. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, no problem with that. Maybe a VSC until you have some facts might have been slightly smarter. But either way, maybe like, maybe remember that you're Formula One and maybe make it so that the stewards can see, especially the on the most maybe the fastest. Yeah. Well, the fastest street circuit and probably I would say probably the most dangerous circuit on on the calendar. Maybe. Yeah, uh, that, I, would, debate, I would agree. Debatably, with. the most, you know, arguably yeah, the most dangerous. Yeah. 
make sure every inch of that circuit is covered with at least CCTV cameras so you can see where everyone is at all times and if there's been an incident. Like, like what the hell? Any, any other that? sport? How, how is it that they can't see? Like, <clears throat> any other sport, the idea of a referee not being able to see a bit of the pitch and if anything happens there, yeah. they just have to guess. Like... <laughs> It's just mad, isn't it? I mean, that that's a poor analogy because that happens like every single game that ever. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you need eyes in the back of your head <laughs> to see everything that happens all the time. But then, but then, you know, like not to not to disp- not to go onto another controversial topic. But that's why VAR exists, isn't it? So that if if mistakes yeah. are made or you, there is an eye on every yeah. particular part of the pitch, same with the third match official in rugby, like they can see everything at all times. Yeah, so. that's true. And it's and. The logic of that is having cameras on all aspects of the pitch. Why are there not cameras on all aspects of the of the circuit? I know it's a long, I know but it's a long again, stretch of road, but still, like bizarre. If they can monitor, if they can monitor the M1 for fifty miles, <laughs> then I'm sure Formula One can manage to look yeah. at twenty odd corners at Jeddah Corniche. If if I, as a Formula One viewer, can get yeah. the coverage of where that car is and yeah. watch it. Well, How can to, they not? Just give them that on TV Pro subscription. We, on, we only knew that like <laughs> once the camera. I guess like we only knew where he was parked after the safety car had come out, though. I no, believe. it was definitely but shown before. There's a big that. wide camera of him like, Un- in that spot. Hundred percent, it was shown before the safety car came out. Hundred percent. Surely they just have a feed of they all the him, boards. They though. showed him pulling off whilst it was just a waved yellow in the corner that he was at. Madness. But anyway. So, to finish on Aston Martin, we said we can we could say the hype is real if they are up there after these first three very different tracks. Mm-hmm. I would say two out of three so far. The hype seems pretty real. Yeah. Still very much yeah. the second fastest car. Yeah, I don't know. How, based on the next team we're going to talk about their performance at this circuit, I don't know how long they're going to be mm-hmm. there. But right now, yeah, they're the real deal. Um, and it's really exciting. Yeah, I think I think the thing that's interesting for me is that they've been there at two different circuits, Very different like circuits, in yeah. terms of different, you know, different requirements. Let's say, mm-hmm. and it sort of may, maybe makes sense that the next team we'll talk about, Mercedes, have kind of maybe had a better weekend here and might not have as good a weekend at other circuits that are maybe more like Bahrain. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think as of right now, Aston Martin are solidly second place team yep i would agree for with now that, for sure which yes brings us on to mercedes uh definitely had the measure of ferrari uh, i mean russell was matching at times he was matching if not catching alonso not over the race distance but certainly at times uh yeah finished ahead of both ferraris the safety car sort of was good for russell not so good for hamilton um Russell generally the faster all weekend. Hamilton said he went the wrong direction on setup and would have been better had he had the same direction as Russell. Uh, again, it was a better weekend, but just everything coming out of that team is so negative still. Like it still feels mm. like they're a, a long way from being where they want to be at the front. Well, yeah, because they know how far away they are from Red Bull. Like they, it, it wouldn't even matter if they were their second place team if they were still a second down the road from Red Bull. They'd be pissed yeah. about it. Like they yeah. wouldn't be happy about that. It's not why they're here, is it? They're not here to no. be. Uh, but certainly not here to be finishing behind Aston Martin um, with their engine uh, in the back. Let's put it that yeah, way as yeah, well. That's not that's, pro- that's probably the thing that maybe irks them even more than 
being behind Red Bull is the customer team is ahead of them. And that's yeah. something that will, I think, irk them maybe even more. I think any any big manufacturer team, you know, if, if the customer team is is ahead, then that is obviously a huge issue. I think that was a real issue for Renault for years. Yeah, Renault, Red, Red Bull. Bull being, that's why the relationship was so poor, wasn't it? For that yeah, exact reason. Probably why they ditched it and made it into Alpine, <laughs> put a different badge on it. Yeah. I did like the Toto Wolf over the weekend said something along the lines of there would be no shame if if they ended up having to update the Mercedes to look more like the Red Bull. Um, and he said, if Red Bull have got a problem with that, they can put a little sticker on, on our car if they want to, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Yeah, well, I think, you know, like Red Bull have been a bit salty about the Aston, actually. And mm. when you really take a proper look at that Aston, I think some of the commentary around, you know, saying that the Aston is a, a, a clone of the Red Bull, I think it's absolute nonsense. I mean, it's not I like we're in the pink Mercedes huge territory, is it? Like, yeah, there's, there's yeah. huge differences between those two cars. I think, and I said this last time I was on here, the the Mercedes, yeah, they're probably, you know, they probably are going to be similarities to the Red Bull sprouting. But I think... It's not necessarily that the Red Bull have got the absolute. Ma- yes, they've. You know, no, I'm not going to dance around this. They've made the. They've made the best car on the grid. There's no doubt about that. But that's not the best car that it's ever going to be. And yeah. there's going to be more and more and more optimization. And as people find, you know, right now, yeah, they've got. There's clearly a concept that on the on the top half of the car that works. It's the bottom half of the car where you can't really see anything, but that still has quite quite a lot of mystery surrounded around it but because you just you just don't you don't see that part of the car so you don't know what they're running there mm. which is kind of a shame but obviously it does work and if there is physically if there's like a shape that works then of course everyone's going to go towards that shape yeah, just of because course. red bull got there first doesn't mean that they have to you know it doesn't give yes they've got bragging rights that they got there first but it doesn't give them the right to be salty about everyone doing the same thing because no. it's clearly effective. So of course everyone else is going to do it. It's always been the way. Mm. Yep. But there we go. Uh, right. Quick rattle through some other teams. Ferrari got pretty unlucky with the safety car timing. It came out just after they both pitted, but even that aside, they just, they just weren't very fast. Were they ultimately? Um, nope. Mercedes quite handily had the pace on them. And they're already eating into their power unit allocation. So, I mean, I don't know what to say other than not good. Not at all where we expected them to be. Uh, Anything else on Ferrari from Yvonne? No. Um, I think they they were a bit... They were super, super unlucky. Very, very unlucky with the the timing of the safety car. Um, Verstappen... Uh, we were kind of robbed of like at least like a bit of elbows out between Verstappen and yeah. Leclerc, but I don't think Leclerc would have had much of a fight in him against the, the pace of that Red Bull anyway. Not at all. Um, Science did well to overcut um, Stroll. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, so Stro- Science, Stroll pitted and Science stayed out for a couple more laps and um, because Stroll took a long time to get the hards heated up, and was probably fighting a car issue as well at that time. Stu called um, it as well. He, he we were chatting during the race, and Stu was like, "The overcut's going to be strong yeah. here. Yeah. Watch, watch this." And it, and it happened. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, so there you have, yeah, and that's me done talking about Ferrari and <laughs> about anything ever on this podcast again. Now, so it's finally happened. Someone finally gave me credit, <laughs> and, and away he goes. <laughs> Uh, Alpine had a pretty uneventful race, 8th and 9th. I think after the last race, they'll be very happy with just an uneventful race. Uh, Hulk was the faster of the Hasses in qualifying again, but Magnussen's the one that managed to nick a point. He passed Sonoda, unfortunately for him, right at the end. Sonoda was battling so hard for that last point in the closing stage of the race. It was a good move, that one. It was a good good one, yeah. Really good one. Yeah, it was a good move. He was putting up a staunch uh, defence, was Yuki. Yeah, Sonoda was trying to pinch him to the inside, wasn't he? Mm. And he he just... Mm -hmm. He was going to do it anyway. Yeah. And he did do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Williams. Uh, Albon described the car as the best Williams he's driven since he joined the team, which is... Is that with or without the brakes? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he, well, he was looking good for another points finish, but as you say, he had to retire with that brake issue. It was weird that. It was like, my brakes have gone, and then he just drove past the pit entry. Like, where are you going? Yeah. But it, I think I think the only thing that I can imagine with that is that maybe they thought it was like an electrical thing that they could reset, and he was kind of coasting, seeing if he could, but... I think as well a bit, because a little bit sus. Yeah, I think as well there were a lot of cars around him at the time, and it what probably was safer just to carry on than try to slow yeah, down yeah. early in the middle of a pack of cars to make the pit entry because it's a weird pit entry at that track. Yeah, you sort of veer off, don't you, from the final yeah. corner. Logan Sargent was looking really good for a Q two appearance until he lost his lap for. Uh, exceeding track limits on a straight which is an achievement yeah. in itself that was oh unbelievable yeah. what why I mean, did, I mean why is this a thing why wh- well why are they worried about a, a tire going on a bit of the rate because this is not even like the safety car line uh, sorry the, the the pit lane line before this is after the pit lane yeah line, it's the line be- like, it's the line which before you some advertising anyway. basically yeah to be fair though if they didn't say you can't touch the purple bit everybody would go across it because it would be a slightly straighter run to the line. Mm. So I guess they have to enforce. But again, it does seem... Just over-enforcement of yeah. the rules again. What difference does it make? You know, there's walls either side of this circuit all, uh, and at that mm-hmm. particular point of the circuit. Yeah. So, yeah, let, uh, the, the the racing lines, the racing line, everyone is going to take it. Like It's just a pointless rule. It's just another obstacle in the way of a good time for the driver yeah like he must have gone over by a centimeter and he gained him nothing but it was nothing yeah no gain from it Um, ridiculous i still thought it was a decent drive from sergeant again though um he sort of flirted with the bottom of the points at times but it was kind of a what could have been for williams all in all but two races in i've been quite Mm -hmm. impressed with sergeant he seems to have taken to things quite well from what i've seen yeah seems to be doing okay and the last team that has anything of note to talk about, sadly, is McLaren. Uh, Piastri, eighth place on the grid. He was exceptional in qualifying, I thought. Really, really impressed with Piastri on Saturday. Yeah, mighty performance. Yeah. He's, he's the real deal, Piastri. Yeah. I think. And then it all fell to pieces immediately because he had contact with Gasly <laughs> at the start, which damaged his car. And then the debris from that then went back and hit Norris. So both McLarens were in the pits yep. at the end of That's- lap one. Shocking look for McLaren, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It really is. If they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck. Um, 
can confirm it's not my fault this week. I'm not wearing a McLaren hat. <laughs> what hat were you wearing this week, Tom? During the race, I wasn't wearing any. But guess what hat I was wearing on Saturday? Was it a Red Bull one? Aston. It w- no, it, w- it was the purple and blue Red Bull one that I bought. Oh, so you caused the drive shaft failure. So we can <laughs> soft confirm the curse at this point. Ooh, keep wearing it. I'm going to try it again. Never take soft it off. Never confirm. remove that I forgot, hat. I forgot to put it on on the Sunday. I was like, I got back from being out and I was just like, yeah, I just need to get the race on. I didn't change a tire. I just sat down and watched. <laughs> I'm literally going to go out and buy a Red Bull. This is, <laughs> if this is what, it, what happened. Yeah, but the question is, is, is it just my head that's significant in this curve? Let's find out. I, I'm, I will pay 45 quid or however much that hat costs. 80 quid to put that to the test. Answering was, the questions that really matter here on Back of the Grid. It was on sale. <laughs> um, last last point of interest on McLaren, though. So the two of them had a bit of a fight with sort of Sargent and De Vries towards the end. Um, I I don't... I haven't seen if Piastri actually overtook Norris on track or whether he was just let by because of like where they were. And Piastri ended up passing Sargent as well. Piastri did that on a set of hard tires he'd had on since lap two. He did a he did a reverse Albon at Monza strategy and he put the hards on when he had to mm. go on lap one and then just kept them to the end. So the fact that he was still able to be racy with other cars at the end of the race was Pretty impressive. That's quite surprising. Yeah, it's the ultimate overcut, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I I almost think it's it's obviously not good for McLaren, but the fact that McLaren are kind of nowhere at the moment is maybe delaying a bit of a a rough relationship between those two. I think Piastri so far has looked pretty close to Norris, and I don't mm. know. I feel like that has the potential to get a bit spicy if, if things yeah. if they do improve things but uh that remains to be seen and i think that's all the stuff yeah. from the teams worth talking about um nice. do you do some some takeaways from the weekend yeah can, can i do a couple of quick takeaways for you yeah um so they're, they're rapid fire takeaways um sponsored by delivery <laughs> they're not <laughs> they're not um First one, Red Bull, obviously utterly dominant, um, ominous for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Next one, Perez in the mix. Perez looks like he's in the mix right now. Mm-hmm. Um, long may it continue. Aston Martin hype is real. Mm-hmm. We all saw that. Um, Mercedes have moved forwards, it looks like. And it looks like Ferrari have moved backwards. And I'm, we're talking inching forwards and backwards here. But I think they're so close to those th- Those top three, t- the, sorry, those... Uh, second that second rung of teams so Aston Mercedes Ferrari are so close together I think like it's going to vary from track to track between those guys um and then the final one is the FIA need to calm down (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can agree with that there we go those are my takeaways this weekend just to correct myself as well the album thing was Mon as um Imola not Monza when he did that last lap hit stop yeah, before I get decimated in the Thanks. in the comments. Yeah, so right, we're going to get unsubscribed. Driver of the <laughs> day, who we got? Whew. Uh Perez is a shout because he had to absorb a lot of pressure. He did when to when that safety car out. came out with him having lost the win the year before because of a safety car. I was like, oh no, 
it's happening to him again. But um, his safety car restart was ridiculously good as well. That was a textbook restart at this circuit as well. He he nailed that. He got it absolutely perfect. Yeah, he really did. Uh, who else? Who else? I think Alonso was a great drive. I think he he absorbed the pressure from Russell really, really nicely. He, I think there is a little bit more pace in that car than what he he used. And again, I, the reason I think that is because his his fastest lap was literally sat the final lap of the race and three tenths slower than Verstappen. So it shows you just how much life was left in the tires mm-hmm. in that car and how much pace it had underlying um mm-hmm. i think he was managing i think he knew he couldn't beat the red bulls so he was managing the gap to russell behind and i think you know if he'd not if he if i think if they were going to give him another 10 second penalty i think there was probably 10 seconds in that car for him to eke out if he'd found out sooner rather than later um but that's just me people obviously welcome to disagree with that but yeah i think alonso is a good shout for driver of the day especially given like the 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 you know the penalty he got the five second penalty he got and then to still manage to not lose out so much by it and still finish on the podium mm-hmm. I think is a really really um, great drive. I think if Sonoda managed to hold on to that point, he could have been a shout. I don't think there were any other than those two for me. I mm-hmm. I don't see. I mean, it's hard because second half I, I may have been watching the FA Cup <laughs> while watching the Formula One at the same time, but um. From what I mean, I did see most of it, so yeah, like the, I didn't see any other real standout drives. Looking at looking Russell, up down the maybe. Like no I mean, Hamilton gained two positions on the Ferraris, yeah. but then that is that by virtue of mm. the safety car because Hamilton kind of gained on the safety car and he, yeah. he did have to change strategies midway through the race, he was gonna go long on the hards and then. When the safety car came out, they had to think on their feet and think fast and stick the mediums on him to give him a shout of getting ahead of of the uh, of the Ferrari of science, which he did do, and then to ha- at least battle with with Russell and that that whole thing. So the, the Hamilton Russell thing, I, I they could have easily thrown team team orders at that and said, "Oh, just yeah. let him through. He's on a different strategy." But instead, they let them. I think they let them fight, and I think Hamilton mm-hmm. knew that he, he there was no point in those two fighting because if there was a chance of them catching up to Alonso, which probably they didn't think was possible, then what difference does it make to them as a team? This is they're in it together at the moment, aren't they? So mm-hmm. I would have why why risk your cars. Yeah, I'd have liked to have seen Hamilton have a go at chasing Alonso at that point. Hamilton's clearly the faster of the two of them at that point in time. But Hamilton's probably... Honestly, I don't think that car's got the pace. I think it, even even on the faster tyre, I think Alonso would have just would have had him all... And you know, I think he would have just put his foot down and, and still been putting a gap. And that he was his problem, just, wasn't he it? He just would have gone faster. Hamilton started on hards and had to pit under the safety car, so he had to do yeah. a 32-lap stint on the medium. So even if yeah. he had been able to catch Alonso, I think it would have been temporary. Yeah, he would have got. Yeah. He, he would have run out of tyre, and Alonso yeah, for sure. would have probably got him back. We're, so. we're dancing around it, but I think drive of the day is Perez, isn't it? Easily. I think so, yeah. Perez it is. Move of the day. A few to choose from, I think. Yeah, some good ones. 
Um, I mean, I've already mentioned Magnuson's on Yuki Tsunoda. I that really was liked good. That one. That was really good. Scroll around the outside of sight. Yeah, that, that was, was another good one. Really that was good. an almighty move. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for for Lance Stroll as well, <laughs> amazing <laughs> move. Yep. The the kid can um, drive. It turns out. Um, yeah. I thought Joe's move on Sergeant towards the end of the race, he went around the outside of turn one and like just about got it slowed down in time to make turn two. That was that was really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we got to pick one of those. I've seen Hamilton on signs being mentioned in the chat. I actually... Yeah, actually, he did an old switcheroo. He got him with an old switcheroo. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, it was a really good old him, switcheroo as well. He let him have the inside into turn one to take the inside in turn two, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, yeah. To get the yeah. better line through turn yeah. one and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was perfect. It was yeah. absolutely textbook switcheroo overtake. Really, really good. Um... I'll stop saying switcheroo. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to say it one more time. <laughs> which which one are we thinking? Is it the switcheroo? I think if we give it to Hamilton, it's just <laughs> like people are just going to be like, oh, they just love Hamilton. I mean, oh. I, I, I want to give it Magnuson because... Watching two cars go locked up into a corner and make it out unscathed is why I go watch racing. I yeah. like stuff like that. It always reminds me. Of, this is a really, really niche reference. If no one, do, if no one other than me that listens to this program, which some do, so I know some people do watch V8 supercars. But it reminds me of Scotty McLaughlin locking up yes. the <laughs> Volvo, I think it was at the time, and just absolutely sending it up the inside. And I will never forget that move. So if I see anything that even comes remotely close to that, which is what this was in my eyes, then it gets it. So I'm just, I'm the, F, the FIA sent a switcheroo Alonso's way, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but they that did. was well after the they race. They did the ended. old switcheroo. Uh, do you know what? I've just rewatched the Magnuson one and, and I'm, I'm with you. I think that is the one. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Second vote for Magnuson. He takes it. Thanks. The, the, the McLaughlin comparison. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> the too, McLaughlin too the comparison, did it? Scott, you're getting into like Australian supercars. Oh, like, man, I, we talk about that on here. I, I, I love that. I wish I, I, wish I still yeah. watched it as much as I used to. Aussie supercars are so good. Yeah. If well, anyone listening, if you've never watched it, it's, it's probably, it's right up there with the very best racing series. Yeah, especially Bathurst. For, Bathurst 1000. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. wild. And that circuit is just a killer Unbelievable. Well. It's so difficult. Yeah. That being said, final award. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? We didn't do this last week, and it made me completely forget where we even were. Let's do it. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? I mean, two two fairly obvious candidates, isn't there? It's. I think just the FIA overall, (laughs) the safety car and all the penalty nonsense. It's just the FIA in general. At some point... the, 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 the farce around the tyres can't touch the red paint uh, through, you know, down down by the pit entry where the advertising, I think it's a Qatar Airways advertising mm-hmm. section. Um, the whole, that whole thing, the whole, just the whole conduct of the FIA this weekend has just been ridiculous. And I've got no time for it. No. Oh yeah, that's another one that Sarah just pointed out in the chat. Did you see that the drivers aren't allowed to use bikes to do track walks anymore? Why? What? So they Why? it sounds like they were worried that a lot of people were starting to use electric bikes and electric scooters to do the track walks and it was getting 
maybe slightly dangerous where you've got like loads of people walking around and people zipping around on electric stuff. So instead of saying no powered vehicles, they've just gone, nope, nothing, no more, no wheels during track walks. Have they never been to a major city anywhere Seriously, in the world? It's like the biggest overcorrection. <sighs> wow. I mean... Well, I, I do think a grown man riding a scooter is... Uh, <laughs> it's not something that... <laughs> I would condone, but I'm I'm tempted to start renaming this section what the FIA are doing here <laughs> because nine times out of ten it's there. I've written down I, rules I, I for the sake of them. rules, and I'm gonna say that <laughs> yeah, what rule, it is. rules rules for the sake of rules, but or not or not following rules or following them like way over the top. Whatever it is, it is actually just, yeah. No, I'm changing... over-policing, isn't it? It's over-policing. I'm changing yeah. it to what Wes has just said in chat, which is the FIA nanny state. I like. Yeah. It's a much better like that. description. Yeah, that, that, that's a nice description of... Yeah, that's that's what this is. I think... Can we think of any, any more entertaining ones for this um, weekend? No. Nothing, nothing really screaming. Oh, the national anthem. <gasps> oh. <laughs> That was yeah. poor. That was... I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the um, 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> yeah. done by the Children's Orchestra. <laughs> it was, was reminiscent of that, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Or the... Uh, there was, I think... The, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention that one, actually. But, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> it was so funny. That's the comedy one, at least. Right, Tom, do you want to take us through predictions? Yes, I'm going to do a quick run through predictions because um, there's a lot to cover still with inbox and stuff like that, and we're getting on for time. But, um, I mean, some of us managed to score points this week. Somehow, Stu, you didn't get anything, which I'm really surprised at. Uh, those predictions at your... were so I know. solid, yeah. weren't they? I, I genuinely thought you were going to be the one out of all of us that scored the most points. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a 5 the opposite. Five. I was convinced like, I was going to be a 5 It was a good, five. good set. But yeah, so... In the end, I eventually managed to get a point when Alonso <laughs> finally got his third place back. Uh, Chris got a point for Perez being fastest. Callum, when he was here, said Perez fastest as two uh, as well, so he got a point as well. Um, in terms of overall, we had two people score three points, and that oh, wow. was um, Andrew Carnes and AJ Metzler. So they were our highest scorers this week. Um, and then in terms of the standings, it's all still very tight because we're only a couple of races in, but uh, Jeremy Simkin and Ben McInnes are both tied with six points each. Then there's a whole cluster of people with me on five points um, down a to about 30th base. of people. <laughs> a whole cluster of people. I'll tell you what, the um, second, so, yeah. second that drive shaft went, the entire predictions league was just in tatters. <laughs> like that yeah. was it. That was <laughs> sort of chance after that. Exactly. The whole uh, thing fell apart. It did. Um, so that, that's that for Predictions League. Um, in terms of Grid Rival, we have a new leader in the Grid Rival League for, for the fantasy, which is Stroll Down Vettel Avenue, which I love as a name. Great name. And is also a, a winning team with 1,995 points total so far. Um, although Stroll Down Vettel Avenue wasn't this week's overall winner for the, for the race, that was um, H1209 with 987 points specifically this race. So well done to you. Um, and then we do finally have a, an official 
Formula One Final Fantasy. I said Final Fantasy. Then. Where did that come from? <laughs> An official Formula One Fantasy League. There we go. Ba, 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 um, ba, 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 ba. There's a niche one. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many people that cross references with between yeah. that and Formula One. Um, and our leader there at the moment is the, the, the Spinquisition, which again is another great another good name. name. On 667 points. So congratulations to this great Spinquisition who is leading in official F1 fantasy. Um, everything is available at backofthegrid.com. You can see your own finishing results. You can see your own standings. And there's a little section on there for fantasy leagues, which has got a link out to Grid Rival and also a link out to the F1 fantasy as well. Um, so yeah, that, that covers that. Head there if you want to see more. Um, Very good. With that, should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Let's. Keep it safe now. Stay, stay Box, Hey, man. It's so dumb, isn't it? It's officially the best jingle in Formula One podcasting, as said by Callum McIntyre. That's the new tagline for inbox. Okay, so Jose says, hey, man. What's going on with the on-screen graphics this year? Last year there were issues, but this time around they seem worse. They don't think people want to see the time gaps between the cars. I think there's a few issues between on the. Uh, I think there's some fuck. Excuse my. Almost, almost. Gone into like design feedback mode. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal design feedback mode. Um, yeah, the kerning on some of the text is just. Absolutely. Next time, like next time, hey Stu, explain kerning to the people that don't know what kerning is. I know, right? So (laughs) next time, next time you you see the formation lap graphic at the top of the screen, um, it looks like it says formation lap. Like there's a gap between the A and the T in formation, and that is that's bad kerning. It makes it look like two different words, and good kerning makes words it, which you, you, it's something you, you would never even notice unless you're a designer really but um or it was done poorly like it is yeah yeah or or it's done that badly and it is done so 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 badly like some of the, there's some really really big design howlers i think in some of those graphics so um yeah that's uh that's one thing but you i think this question yeah. is more about the technical aspects of the business yeah because i picked up on this there was when you know when they do the they're like highlight the cars that they're currently following that are like having a battle and you know, they'll do like battle for sixth and highlight a few names at the point they do the highlight the names because they make all the names bigger they remove the split times and the current tires oh, yeah. from them but it's like that's really useful information to have when you're watching cars battling each other which is a really <laughs> odd choice i will say though you know fair's fair for this race they have uh, redesigned the team logos along the side of the drivers and they are now you can tell them all apart because during the first mm. race some of them it was like near impossible at a glance to tell them apart so they are clearly listening to feedback and making changes so I'd like to hope some of the problems this time will get tweaked again for future races but yeah could it need, needs a bit more QA I think some of the TV graphics yeah yeah I, I know how 
difficult it is for them, the kind of time constraints mm-hmm. they face. And then once they're locked in with with the package, it is quite hard for them to like make too many changes to. But the, the kerning thing is something that's been since the whole... It's yeah, been a since forever. The since new, that new font. Yeah. Well, it's the same. The thing is, it's the same font. They've just done faux italics on it. Oh, that, there isn't. Yeah. There, there doesn't exist a actual designed italicized version of that font it's just the system that's italicizing it which is again why sometimes they look a bit strange um so yeah more boring design chat for you there but shall we do the next mm, question next question from alexia goose and targ man um <laughs> parking the tennis match that was fernando's penalty decision to one side what are your thoughts on cars taking time penalties during neutralized parts of the race or would that add more complexity for viewers watching I mean, depending on where you are, it's you're potentially worse off, aren't you? Because no, you're taking a five no. second penalty where everybody else is also then getting a shortened pit stop. It depends on where you are in the pack at the time, I think. Yeah, I think if no, you're the, if, a, five, a five second penalty in relation because it, it doesn't really matter who's taking that's just chance whoever else is taking pit stops the a five second pit a five second stop so five seconds in the pit lane during neutralized race time is a lot less of a penalty than it is during full speed running yeah i suppose it, yeah i think i think you pretend you could potentially lose more place on the road but you'll end up being closer to the people that you then have to chase to make, make those places back. So it's a, it's a bit of both, I think. Mm. I, th- I, I don't know. It's, it seems weird <clears throat> to have a way of taking a penalty that makes that penalty less harsh. Like I, uh, I think I think the facilities are already there for them to just stop them taking penalties during safety cars, right? Like they could just because they can just add that time on at the end. They already yeah, just add the time. Ha- yeah, if so, he if he'd have taken that pit stop for the tires during the safety car, and then obviously we had a rule that said you can't take it under safety car, then it would have just been added to his time at the end, and it would have made the is- same lack of difference as it did anyway because Russell well, would have. No, it, still not been near enough to him or whatever. It's, it still makes a difference because it, it then robs the chasing driver of the chance to get into a battle and slow him down further. Yeah. So th- there is that aspect of it. I think mm. really, I think it's one of those things where short of calculating how much extra a penalty would have to be during a, a safety car window or a, or a virtual safety car window for each, um, each circuit and then telling teams you know, giving teams that information and the FAA are already struggling to just enforce their own rules anyway, to, to then mm. muddy the waters further by adding extra time in the case of safety cars, virtual safety cars. I think they just find it impossible to enforce. I don't think they have the capability to, they don't have the capability to enforce a five second penalty as it is. Apparently not. So, so or a 10 second penalty. So, you know, asking them to add extra time on depending on pit lane length, pit, you know, advantage, disadvantage time, blah, blah, blah. Is just I think it's too much to ask of them to be honest at this point. I think it, right now either just stop them taking penalties altogether during safety car or virtual safety car windows, and force them to. And then what you do is you either add the time on or you just 
um, force them to take it at their next pit stop. Only, only allow basically only allow them to take penalties during regular pit stops, not yeah. during safety car or virtual safety car pit stops. But even then, you've still got the mess that I mentioned a moment ago. Of mm. well, then in that case, you're robbing the driver behind a chance of yeah. a fight. So, or the driver ahead, or whatever. So yeah, yeah, it's um, so it's, it's a very very sticky one that I think because it's it's a lot simpler with the old which you don't see many of these days, but your old drive through and stop go penalties because it's like you have to do this within this three laps, whereas the time penalties there's way more freedom with how they're applied. So it's mm. always there's never going to be a perfect way of doing it unfortunately yeah. there's there's the, there's even an argument to say it's just look of the draw you know safety cars happen yeah. and it's possible for if you know if you want to if you're the chasing car and you want to take your pit stop at the same as you were saying tom really in a way uh, kind of a, another way of explaining it is if that driver if you're in a battle with that driver ahead and they've got a five second penalty and you're both pitting under the safety car that person's still got to take that five second penalty so you're still exactly. gaining a five second advantage on exactly. in that safety car spot it's just up to you to take advantage of that situation strategically as the chasing car so yeah i don't think it's that that big of a deal really i think yeah. it's just one of those situations where it it's more the debacle afterwards I think generally speaking the, the thing is the, I think the reason this has maybe come up as conversation point is because there was so much just general confusion about oh is he in trouble because he should have never done it behind the safety car and literally yeah. nobody yeah, could yeah, confirm or deny it you got one team thinking one way another team thinking another way commentary stumped as well I'm pretty sure and we've kind of skimmed the rule book and we think that this team's right like, oh was nobody this Sky had commentary no that was even F1 commentary they went and it? checked they went and checked the rule book and basically said as far as we can see the, because obviously um, at the time Mercedes were saying we think he might still have to serve his five seconds because he shouldn't have done it under the safety car and f1 tv basically went away and came back and said according to the rules he was fine mm -hmm. there's nothing that says he couldn't do that and they they were also adamant that nobody had physically worked on the car and therefore shouldn't have had any problems there as well because that was the other suspicion is that somebody touched the car Thus, meaning yeah. well, that, the five-second penalty was invalid. But yeah, that was my understanding of the rule. My understanding was <clears> the rule that is if anyone makes contact, if any engineer makes mm -hmm. contact or, or mechanic makes contact with the vehicle, then that voids the penalty, and yeah. it means that it has to be they have to go again, which is what they did last week with yeah. with Ocon. But I think what saved Aston this week and what made them kind of like change their minds a little bit is Aston actually they seemed to realize that someone had touched the car and then they seemed to count for five seconds from that point, it looked like yeah, to me. Yeah, because the teams count the penalties themselves, don't they? It's not like yeah, there's an they, they put person in a person with a stopwatch. Yeah, so mm. they added a load of window. And I think when you go back and watch, if you go back and watch that pit stop, it's it's like seven seconds. I do it's, remember It's thinking... definitely longer than five seconds because I remember yeah. sitting and counting it to myself, almost virtually with a stopwatch, and thinking on the replays... It, that is definitely it's more very than long five way seconds. Way more. Weird. Way more. It was. It was seconds. easily six seconds. I would say before yeah. they actually started yeah. working on the car. Yeah, minimum so, six seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll read the next one anyway. Now we kind of <laughs> covered that one off. Uh, That's Max, a good one. Though. That's a really good question. It, no, it's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, Max says, given Hamilton's pessimism and Alonso living life, which of the two do you think will last longer <laughs> in Formula One? 
It's a tough question, actually. That is a really difficult yeah. question. I don't, I, I don't see either of them leaving anytime soon. Right now, I think no. I'd, I would say evens on both going around the same time. Yeah, probably De- depends on if you believe Hamilton's lie detector test or not. <laughs> oh God, what's what? That, that was what? a piece of Sky Sports content I opted to not indulge in. Oh, oh I indulged. I indulged. What, what happened? They, they basically had Hamilton hooked, to a, hooked up to a lie detector test, and one of the questions what? was, will you stay in F1 until you win an eighth title? And he said yes, and he was telling the truth. Ooh. Um, right. I, don't think he, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. It, definitely all this talk of, oh, he's going to pack in the end of this year. I think that's nonsense. I think he's, gonna, he's got at least another season after this in him. And Alonso, I I think, I think Alonso will stay as long as the Aston is good. I think if yeah, I think if beginning of next year they're back in the middle of the field again, he'll be like, all right, it was fun while it lasted. Because like Alonso yeah. just seems to be enjoying being relevant again. Like <laughs> he's just be enjoying. No, genuinely though, like he spent so many years in the doldrums in F one, and suddenly he's just like at the sharp end again. That's all. I think that's all he's needed all this time. He looks so happy. He's, he's and so content. He looks ten years younger. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen. I mean, that's just the. Well, don't get me started on the retouching for the, for the graphics because <laughs> they all look like they all look about twenty years younger on that. Yeah, <laughs> such ridiculously harsh retouching. Um, yeah, he looks really happy, and it's nice to see. It's yeah, nice to see Fernando Alonso I mean, having a good time in Formula One. You can tell his mood's good when he gets told he's got a five-second penalty <laughs> yeah. for being in the wrong place at the start, and he just goes, "Okay," and then just <laughs> yeah, carries oh, on. Well. You yeah, win until like, you lose. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, old Alonso would have argued that to the death. It's a good job Almost my car's like, five seconds faster than eight yeah, of the other nine Anyone teams. else. Yeah. I mean, I when when I when he was getting told, I almost in my head imagined a Kimi Raikkonen for what yeah. kind of reaction. And he literally just like went, Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. Don't do about that. Yeah. Okay, next one. Um, Darth Kilowog says, Bonjour, Monsieur. <laughs> With an almost 20 second lead over everyone else, over anyone else, do the Red Bulls lose any race this year that at least one car finishes without mechanical issue? Will their wind tunnel sanctions even matter? I think their wind tunnel sanctions will bite them towards the sort of second half of the season, but I think they've got such a lead mm. right now that it's going to take a while for people to... Th- they've got to be really careful about what they yeah. Yeah. test. I think their wind tunnel is probably going to hit them more next year as well than this year, to be honest. I sort of thought that. Um, it's maybe going to well, affect... It's been since October. October is when the sanction began. So well, exactly, yeah. October, At which point October. this car was... This car would have been more or less... Yeah. Done. It would have been well on its Better, way. Yeah, well on its way. Mm. Will they lose a race this season? I think, at the very least, I think Monaco and Singapore. If the Aston is still up there by Singapore, I think I think Aston might have got a real chance of winning those two races. Monaco, especially. Yeah, something where the aero is less of an impact and Alonso's wiliness and yeah. long time in the sport can help. And you know what? I, I can I can see that. I can see that. Mm, actually, I was going to say Mons as well because it's such a different track. But then again, the Red Bull is so much faster than everything else in a straight line. They're mm. going to walk Monza. Yeah, Canada as well. Canada, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll kill in Canada. Yeah, I think Monaco I like the, is the place to look if you want a non-Red Bull win. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the street circuits being somewhere Spain. where... 
It all depends. I mean, not with, not with the new final sector. Yeah, reprofile final sector. The Red Bull's going to be a demon through that. I mean, yeah. the whole circuit, but that yeah. final sector especially. I think the old switcheroo. It's going to be. Tu- I think it's going to be. Tu- I think it's going to be touch and go as to who's getting through their flat. I don't think everyone will go through there. Not flat, everyone, but no. I think the, Re- the Red Bull. I think will, but mm. I don't think all of them will. Unless we have another Spain where the top two just take each other out. <laughs> it's happened before. Yeah. That'll work. That'll yeah, work that me. would do it. But yeah, I, yeah. I, Shall I, I go? I that was the case that year too. I'm just a curse. I'm a curse <laughs> on this sport. Do whatever we can do to slow Red Bull down. I'll take anything. I'll buy I was there wearing a Mercedes hat. So if I go this year wearing a Red Bull hat, there you go. It genuinely occurred to me to buy a Aston mat the other day. Aston hat the other day. Aston mat would be cool. Aston hat. <laughs> I've got one right, uh, in, right an act, there. in an act of genuine support for a Formula mm. One team. I, I'm tempted to buy some actual Formula One merchandise. <laughs> was it the bright fluorescent yellow Aston hat? It was the one, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> but I think it might be a bit much. I think it might go on like, well, go in my drawer with my other it's Formula a One. A bit aggressive that Aston hat, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Next question. Not as aggressive, not as, aggressive as my Brexit hat. <laughs> <laughs> Next question from Lucy Gannon. What did you make of Jos Verstappen's less than enthusiastic response to Sergio's win? Uh, Papa Perez would not react like that and, in fact, was delighted when Max won and his son was also on the podium in Mexico. Well, now, Jos didn't mm. look very happy initially, clearly, but he did give him a, a, a handshake. Like, moments later, I think from a different camera, he did he did give him, a you know, the old sort of, sort of clasped hands. Kind yeah. Of, I, I, I agree. I mean, he clearly had a face like thunder, didn't he? But um, it's entirely it's unsurprising, the, though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's quite the sort of abhorrent behaviour that everyone's making it out. To it's me. it's probably not as bad as the screenshots that have now become a meme template. Yeah, for sure. Make oh, it really? out to be. Yeah, uh, but Ooh. I think yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like. I'd be gutted if my son had not won the race when he maybe had a chance to. Uh, but I'd also be a little bit happier for the teammate that did win the race. So, Do you think um, Joss left him on the side of the road in Jeddah? I think he's got form. It's the face of a man who's, who's going to have to get out the paddle. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know Max is young, but I'm pretty sure he can drive himself home at this point. <laughs> 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 moving off from that <laughs> uh, Michelle says how many races until the Max Checo relationships really implodes depends how many Checo depends how close into the mix Checo is yeah it really does um, I think I think Ooh. If Checo wins in Australia, then that's when yeah. the relationship implodes. Whenever Checo gets ahead on points, if it happens, then that's yeah. when the relationship dies. Mm. Particularly if uh, reliability starts being a factor with it as well. Because I think that oh, that, that was definitely the source of most of Max and Yossi's anger and frustration this weekend. It wasn't aimed at Checo. It was aimed at the fact that it was car troubles that had... like. Mm. Ru- I say ruined, he, he came second, but ruined Max's weekend. Mm. Made it difficult for him. Yeah. I, I, I want to see the season where 
Checo is good enough to make the relationship implode, though. Yeah. That's what I'm here for you, this year. Please be that season. Please, 2023. <laughs> do, 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 do us a favour. <laughs> I, I think that given the races in this first stint of the season that we've got now, you might see something by Imola. Because Maybe. There's a lot of circuits I feel are like Sergio Perez circuits based on previous four. Like, you've got, obviously, Saudi Arabia. He's gone well before and he's gone well again. Azerbaijan, he's got decent mm-hmm. history. Um, I can't remember what he was like at Miami last time, but it just feels like his kind of track, like, because of the street circuit elements. So if there's a good run of form between now and then for Sergio, I can see... And then on a on a tight track that is Imola, which is, like, not the widest thing in the world in terms of passing ability... Basically, circuit, but in it's, race, traditional race circuit form. You sort of get into a point where... And then, you've got, then after that, you're going into Monaco. Like... There's a, there's a whole host of circuits there where Checo could really start to upset Max, I think. Yeah. I, I really hope so. so. Like, I, I'd, I'd love to see Checo have a proper title um, sort of stint. The season requires it. And he, like, he he's that, earned it, honestly. So like, the, the career he's had, I think he deserves a proper title shot. I really yeah, hope I, he I can agree. get it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like a Mexican Jensen Button. <laughs> <laughs> That late career. Well, I say late career. Jensen kept going for years after his title, didn't he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A few years, yeah. Anyway. Uh, last one. Paper camera. Um, we've had we've had night races for a while now, and they're less of a novelty. Will we ever see a European night race? Is something like Monaco with an obvious choice? Hmm. I guess you've got to look at why they're night races, though, to some degree. Like, there's, there's two aspects to it, I guess. One is daylight temperature is considered too high to be running the cars. I think and the other the is time now, zones as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, tires and time zones. Yeah. I think I, they're the two things that cause them to be dusk or night races. I could almost see in a few years' time particularly if the US audience carries on growing like it is, them running a European race on a Saturday night. So it's kind of mm. a Saturday daytime for the US. Because I don't think you could do a Grand Prix late on a Sunday, given that the European audience is still the bulk of it. But I can see them maybe mm. rejigging it and doing a Saturday night race. Not sure where they would do it. Probably somewhere warm for the reasons you just said, like Spain or Italy, possibly. Yeah, but there's there's races that are sort of Sunday daytime in places in the world that become evening. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but whenever we're in like Texas, it's an evening race here. It's like seven p.m. or something. Yeah, it it is. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that that happens. Just the races in Europe, but obviously the, the timings would be the same. Yeah. So it depends how, you just have to find late. somewhere willing to do it because not many, I don't think many circuits in this part of the world have the floodlights. I that, can't think of a European circuit. That those but... sort of Middle Eastern circuits do and stuff like the that. The only one I can yeah, think they, of that might be flooded to... in Europe is Paul Ricard, actually. 
Paul Ricard, or they could go to the Bugatti circuit in. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, actually, that'd be Le Mans. Cool. They could go to Le Mans and do that. That'd be yeah, rad to see. That would be cool, actually. Le Mans. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't know. I don't know how much of Bugatti circuit has floodlights, but I know that obviously the main straight is yeah. floodlit. Sure the, I think the main circuit is floodlit, as in the what is it? Is it the Bugatti? The Bugatti, loop, the that's main, the Bugatti yeah. circuit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think the main circuit is. It's obviously when you start going out onto water. Essentially, public roads. I don't think it's yeah, anywhere near but as well. But won't be able to use that anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah, they'd fall to bits if they tried to go around there. There you go. There, there's a homework for next week's podcast. What European circuits currently <laughs> have floodlights? Floodlights. <laughs> and on that weird ending note, yeah, uh, that brings. Well, us... if you, if anyone knows, let us know. Yeah, please do. But that brings us to the end for this week. So thank you as ever for joining us. Um, if you want to. Get in touch with us before next week. You know where we are, Back of the Grid, in all the social places, backofthegrid.com, where you can do contact form, and you can also check out where you are in the Predictions League. Uh, join up if you've not already. Find links to Grid Rival and the F1 Fantasy. All of that good stuff. Um, what's the calendar look like? We're going to be back next week to preview Australia, right? There's a week. There's a gap. Yeah. So, yes. There's a gap back next week to do preview stuff and various newsy bits um but i think that's everything so until then it is goodbye bye everyone bye